This morning we were looking at Revelation chapter 2, the church at Smyrna. We'll read verses 8 to 11 again tonight. And to the angel of the church at Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be, fruit, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. So this morning we traveled through this uh, passage here. There was just a few thoughts that I wanted to go over here as we looked at this. And then... uh, you know, take any kind of questions that you might have as it relates to this. We looked at the uh, angel. We looked at that a few weeks ago as far as uh, angel, literally angel uh, leader of the church. Uh, we know that the, the angel of the church of Smyrna and that it's to write, he's to write these things, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. We pointed out that uh, it's interesting the details of Smyrna itself as a city and how Jesus uses uh, some things found in the culture, in what was happening there, and also then using it to communicate uh, the truth of who he is and how that kind of relates to the church in Smyrna here, the details. Uh, we looked at what that city looked like. It's a very prosperous city one that was well off, very wealthy, and yet the Christians there in Smyrna faced great poverty. You know, you looked at this word, it's poverty is des- destitute, is desolate. They really were struggling. Uh, they would have had a difficulty having a job. They would have had difficulty in their uh, community. They would have been ostracized because of their faith and belief in Jesus Christ. They wouldn't uh, be giving... Um, recognition to Caesar as Lord, and in doing so, they wouldn't be able to trade in the market. They wouldn't be able to even most likely go into the marketplace without putting the incense on. There was a uh, festival once a year that was in honor of Caesar, where that was the tradition, and these these followers of Jesus would not be involved with that. They were being slandered. These are being slandered by Jewish people who are probably national Jews, but he says who they say they're Jews, but they're not. But that just basically means they're not following, obviously, what God has said. They're not uh, believing Jews in Jesus Christ. Uh, In fact, they're from the synagogue of Satan. Some here have stated that they believe that this is uh, from other Christians in the community. Um, I don't take that stance. I read it fairly literal that this is Jewish people. Right, that are actually doing this. He doesn't use the same word for church as he does with synagogue. These aren't the same uh, two words being used. Synagogue, obviously, is a word that we're familiar with with the Old Testament. 
Um, do not fear, he tells them, what you are about to suffer. And so they're going to be suffering even greater than what they're suffering now. Uh, it says, behold, the devil's going to throw you, some of you, into prison uh, so that you may be tested. We looked at, does God allow evil? Does God allow Satan to do things? Yes, he does. Right? He allows this to happen. It's interesting that um, these believers aren't told here at this point to um, challenge the devil, to, to uh, say anything like, uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, what's the term sometimes usually people say when they want to kind of resist uh, what he wants to do in their life. They're not challenged to do this. This is actually something that God's going to allow for the purpose of testing. It's a trial that they're going to be going through and uh, that this is going to be allowed by God for this to happen, and that there's going to be 10 days of tribulation that will happen here. 10 days of tribulation, there is great kind of diversity in what this means. So I'll give you a few of the points, and I'll tell you where I land on this. Uh, This is something for you guys to figure out, to think about, and to ponder. Uh, Some think that uh, Jesus meant 10 years of persecution, so 10 days meaning 10 years. So that's just one of the thoughts. So as the days in this book are what are commonly called prophetic days, each answering to a year. So the 10 years where they come about on it is that is it's in a day is like a, a year. So here we have 10 years of tribulation and it may denote the 10 years of persecution. And this was precisely the duration of the persecution during uh, Diocletian, the emperor, uh, during which all of the um, churches there were greatly affected. Uh, so that was one option. Could be what he's thinking one year or 10 days is like 10 years uh, in that scenario. Uh, others think that Jesus really meant persecution over the reign of 10 Roman emperors. And so that would start with Nero in AD 54, uh, then Domitian, then it would be Trajan, then the fourth is uh, Adrian, then there's a fifth, which is Septus uh, Severus, then there's uh, Maximum, and there's uh, Decus, then there's Valetarian, and Uralanian, I think it is, and then the tenth would be your Diocletian. So some believe it's over 10 emperors, 10 years, that's the other one. Still others take strange confu- and confusing approaches. Others observe that these 10 days are 240 hours, uh, which make up the number of years from uh, 85 AD, which is the beginning of the second persecution when it began, to 325 when the persecution ceased. Again, not sure I'm reading anything in there that gives me any indication that that's the case, uh, but there are some that believe that. Others say that 10 days is simply an expression of speech. So the expression 10 days is not to be taken literally. Uh, it is just the normal Greek expression of a short time. So however compelling or non that these may be, um, I believe that its meaning means 10 days. So you can decide how you want. I believe there was going to be 10 days of severe persecution um, with the emphasis on, so this is what I 
I, I agree with on some of this is the emphasis on is that it is a limited time. Okay, so understand that God's going to allow this to happen, but it is limited, it's controlled. God's got this for the testing purpose. Uh, I do believe that, you know, as far as my own understanding, I take it literally that that meant 10 days. Uh, but again, the emphasis definitely is on the fact that it's a limited time period that God is allowing this to take place. So whichever it ended up being, uh, it's a limited time. You will be tested. So this is a testing that, as far as this scripture here says, comes directly from the devil. Right? This testing is a directly attack from the devil um, and that these uh, Christians in Smyrna were going to be attacked, uh, that they couldn't just, I think the words rebuke, for that term, I'm going to rebuke you. There's no indication that we're to rebuke Satan in this context, remember? So in this context, that there's no rebuke to stop the attack, uh, because it's going to happen. God has already purposed it to happen. The purpose is for their suffering to occur. He's going to allow it to happen. And God uses suffering to produce in us purity. That's the purpose of our suffering, is to produce within us something. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 talks about producing the purity. Romans 8, 17 talks about what suffering produces in us is it makes us like Jesus. How Jesus is, his character, his nature. So it makes us that way. It also makes us... uh, witnesses of him. In our suffering, we are demonstrating the character of Christ, which overflows to others, providing a witness to others, right? As people suffer, as people go through difficulties in life, uh, there are times where you could, you know, sit down with somebody, I don't know if you've ever done that, who is in, you know, immense suffering and come away going, wow, what a testimony to Christ, uh, you go there wanting to bless and you go away blessed is sometimes the case. And you can maybe identify with that uh, as well. So it is truly a, a way in which witness happens as we will look at in a little bit here as far as the testing producing that. Uh, it really is from the blood of martyrs that the church grows. We have a lot of church growth Movements. We have a lot of church growth documentation. Here's how to grow your church uh, from this number to this number. Uh, but through Scripture, the predominant way in which the church grows is through persecution and martyrdom. If you look at the church growth, that is a way in which God uses to grow His church. The way that people come to Christ through that is an amazing thing. So here's the saints in Smyrna. They're going to be uh, heading into this time of testing and trial. And it's going to produce, obviously, uh, something in them through this. Uh, there's going to be a testing that will take place. Um, they're not you know, encouraged with a pep talk from Jesus. They're not given the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. They're not, uh, you know, shared this testimony how faith made 
me, the mayor of Smyrna. It's, this is a real life thing that they're going to be facing. They're promised no deliverance. They're promised tribulation, the poverty, and the persecution that will come from this. And it's going to be intensified during this 10-day tribulation period of time. And so it's going to be very difficult for them. But God's going to allow this so that they may be tested. He's allowing it for that purpose. Uh, in the sense of, I guess another word you could use is proven. Right? We're giving you this testing to prove what is in there. Now James is a good book to continually tell us, right? That we know our genuine faith because it leads into action. It, there's something that happens from it. There's a flow out of it. And the same thing when testing comes, it proves what truly is in us that God has put in there, that God, that our dependence on him. So through our suffering, it'll display God's um, working in our own lives and what he's doing. And uh, so that's an important thing. The Christians in Smyrna also were tested, uh, and they will pass this test. Right? They will go through it, um, and uh, so it's going to be important that you may be tested. God is also interested in testing us. Uh, we may not have the same opportunity to suffer uh, that, like these Christians did to that same degree. But again, we need to remember that we uh, need to have the same attitude, the same approach, the same heart as these people do. There are situations and circumstances, I think, in our Christian life that calls us to uh, suffer for the gospel where we are tested you know, that can be tested at, at work or in uh, a group setting or in our community or in our neighborhood um, with what we, you know, view, with what we say. There's many different times we are tested as well to prove what is uh, the inward change that's taken place in our lives. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Uh, we put the crown up there on Smyrna. And uh, we indicated a few points as far as what that meant, as far as uh, the crown itself. Um, there are two different cr- uh, words for crown. So I don't know if you, if you guys have Bibles that kind of dive into that at all as far as looking at the wording uh, for crown. So the two crowns that are um, used, the words, one word describes a kingly crown, all right, and that would be a crown that royalty would wear. The other kind of crown is uh, Stephanos, which means a crown that's given for the winning of a trophy, uh, for an athlete, that sort of thing. Uh, that's the word being used here, uh, is Stephanos, uh, which means for the accomplishment, uh, the winning athlete kind of scenario. Stephanos was also the crown worn at marriages and for special celebrations. So the picture is of Jesus, obviously his bride, and each of us wearing our crowns as his bride. Uh, the promise of a crown was especially meaningful for Christians in Smyrna, because the city of Smyrna had a crown, actually of beautiful buildings that were on top of Mount Pegasus. And that was considered and called the crown of that uh, city. And so this was uh, something that resonated with them. We looked at the fact that the crown was a symbol that was used. It was even on their coins. 
uh, back in that day in Smyrna. In Smyrna, worshipers of pagan gods wore crowns. Uh, the, you know, the, um, more of the uh, leaf type scenario. And in that culture, good citizens and winning athletes received crowns. And so this crown that's given, Jesus promises a special crown, the crown of life. Right? And as we looked at, even in the sense that they, uh, Smyrna believed that they were a city that was dead in destruction and ruin and resurrected into life, Right, by Alexander the Great. And so the overflow into what uh, Jesus is using here, the promise of a special crown, the crown of life, the crown of a champion that they receive uh, is something that's very um, expressed here. Uh, you know, crown is important. Let him who has ears to hear let the, uh, what the Spirit says to the churches. So we have again this command to listen and to obey and the Real call here in this church is because there's no need for a repentance of certain areas. Their call is for faithfulness. Right? That's the call that they're wanting to do. Let he, uh, he who has an ear to hear, let, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church is be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. I do want to highlight, we talked just real briefly about uh, polycorp. So I just want to give you kind of a little bit of background. I'm not sure how many are aware of Polycorp as a uh, believer in um, about the 180 type year reign. So the year after Polycorp, he had been in Rome, returned. A great persecution came upon the Christians in Smyrna. His congregation urged him to leave the city until the threat blew over uh, to go and get away. Uh, so believing that God wanted him to be around for a few more years, Polycorp left the city and hid out on a farm belonging to some Christian friends. One day on the farm, as he prayed in his room, Polycorp had a vision of his pillow engulfed in flames. He knew what God said to him, and he calmly told his companions, I see that I must be burnt at the stake. That was his conclusion. So meanwhile, the, ch- the chief of police issued a warrant for his arrest. They seized one of Polycorp's servants, tortured him until he told them where his master was. And towards evening, uh, the police chief and the band of soldiers came to the farmhouse where Polycorp was. And when the soldiers found him, uh, they were embarrassed to see that they had come to arrest an old, frail man. And he was, he was well up in his, in his years. And uh, they were reluctant to put him on the donkey and walk him back to the city of Smyrna. So on the way to the city, the police chief and the government officials tried to persuade Polycorp to offer the pinch of uh, incense before the statue of Caesar and say simply, Caesar is Lord. And that's, all they, that's all he would have to do. Right? He would uh, be off the hook. He would be released they pleaded with him to do that, and uh, he would escape the dreadful penalty of not. So at first, Polycorp was silent, but then he calmly gave them this firm answer, no. And the police chief uh, was, was now angry, annoyed with this old man, and he pushed him out of his carriage and onto the hard ground. Polycorp was bruised, but he was res- uh, resolute. He got up and he walked the rest of the way to the arena. And here's uh, kind of where they would take those, right, Christians, those who would 
uh, not bow down to Caesar, those who continue to um, name the name of Christ. And they were, uh, you know, in their arena, there was lots of stuff happening. There was a number of Christians who were already tortured or killed there. Uh, one of them was named uh, Quintus, who boldly said that he was a follower of Jesus and that he wanted to be willing to be martyred for the Lord. Uh, but this individual, when he saw the what was there to uh, devour him, the vicious animals in the arena, he lost his courage. He gave his pinch of incense to Caesar as Lord and, uh, and then was released and off the hook. Others, however, decided not to, and they were marched to their death. Uh, there, uh, the crowd after all of this was still not satisfied. It's interesting the crowd uh, who does not know the Lord how they respond to these sort of things, right? The violence, just the the whole scenario, uh, inhumane uh, aspect of things, and they continued to want more and more. So they actually um, asked for um, Polycorp to be brought out. They began to cry out, and this was their comment, away with the atheists who do not worship our gods. Remember I brought up the point that back in there, they actually called and considered Christians atheists because they would not worship the gods and Caesar. And so they were considered atheists themselves. And uh, so they brought Polycorp out uh, into the arena. Again, this has happened kind of all day, and what was taking place... Uh, was taking place all day. So, interesting fact is that the animals themselves were no longer in the condition that they wanted to do anything to participate. They were satisfied themselves because of the events of the day. So, it turned out that the only option was to burn Polycorp at the stake, a dream that he had had already previous to. And so, they... Uh, put him on the post. They got him ready to uh, be burned. They lit it. And apparently, as tradition says, uh, that as they did this, the, he was engulfed in flames, however, was not touched. There, one source says that it was like a wind tunnel came through and uh, like a sail around him. He was untouched by the fire as, uh, as it consumed and so angry at this, uh, the person who was watching over the uh, guard actually uh, took a spear and, and executed him that way. And then uh, he was uh, executed. And so uh, Polycorp was a well-known individual for his martyrdom uh, at that time. And throughout church history, there's much um, that has been said about Polycorp uh, sacrificing his life. This would have been probably... However, close to, you know, close to about 100 years after uh, what we are finding here in uh, Revelation to the church at Revelation through John. And then we have uh, for the uh, overcomer, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, the one who conquers.